Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, we have been reading the book of Philippians together through uh, the spring and the early part of the summer. And uh, we're going to finish reading Philippians this morning. But before I read the end of chapter four for us, I just want to say uh, something about my dog. Um, there are certain words that we uh, do not say around my dog at certain times. If you have a dog, you probably uh, know, or if you're familiar with people who have dogs, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, we avoid saying certain words like eat um, or walk or food um, because he's such a big baby. If we're not going to attend to those things right away, he starts uh, whining about them. And I mention that uh, because something like that is going on in this part of the letter that we're going to read together here in a minute. Uh, this is the part of the letter where the Apostle Paul means to say to his friends, hey church, thank you for sending me money. It came in really handy. Uh, this is what Paul wants to say in this part of the letter, but he bends over backwards to avoid saying exactly that. He does not say the word for money. He does not say the word for thank you, um, which is a little bit weird unless there's a point to it. And there is, I think, a point to it. So here is the end of Philippians 4. I'll read verses 10 through 23 for us. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with, you, be with your spirit. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me uh, pray for us. Father, we thank you for this word um, that we've heard and read together, that we're going to talk about together for a few minutes. And we ask that you would use it to meet us in exactly the places where we find ourselves. Um, those of us who are ready to hear from you and, and those of us who aren't and those of us who aren't sure. Those of us who feel strong in faith, those of us who feel weak in faith, meet those of us here this morning who do feel some contentment and joy and those of us who don't. Father, use this word to meet us and show us Jesus' grace and change us by it. And we ask it in his name. Amen. 
Well, we have uh, already talked about the backstory to this part of the letter uh, a bunch over the last few months. Paul is in a Roman prison, and it is no uh, walk in the park. Some of you kids might have that coloring sheet that Miss Nicole and Miss Sherry prepared for you. There's a picture on it of, uh, of Paul just sitting by himself on a mat, just uh, in a prison cell. It's a pretty good image, I think, of what it must have been like. He is dependent uh, on outside help for pretty much everything, including food and clothing. And so his friends in that little church had sent him uh, money and probably some other supplies with a guy named Epaphroditus. And the letter that we've been reading together is in part a thank you letter that Paul has sent back to that church uh, with Epaphroditus. And so this is how Paul begins his thank you in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Now, that is a very uh, interesting way to put it. Uh, He doesn't say that he rejoiced at their gift. What he says is, I rejoiced at the concern that was evident in the gift that you gave me. And what Paul's doing is taking the actual money down a few pegs in its importance and highlighting the most important thing to him, which is his friends and their relationship and concern for one another. Paul does this at least in part because there was a whole system of debt and uh, obligation and of power and privilege and status and strength that swirled around gifts and around reciprocity between gifts in the first century. And he was desperate to avoid being any part of that system. He wanted to defang the power of money. He wanted to do the best he could to snip the strings of control that money exhibited in his life and in his friend's life. And church, I have to say that that's, I think, a very important part of Christian discipleship, a huge part of us being people who grow up in Jesus is getting to the place where we really do believe, not just with our heads, but really do believe with every part of who we are that what Jesus said uh, in the gospel lesson that we heard read this morning is true, that life doesn't consist in the abundance of our possessions, that our happiness, that our joy, that our contentment, that our satisfaction, it never, ever, ever comes from our stuff or from our experiences. And so this is where Paul zeroes in uh, with his thanks, with this really subversive thank you. In fact, he tells his friends in verse 11, I didn't need your gift. (laughs) He says, I didn't need your money because I have learned, really, in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in plenty and in hunger, in abundance and in need. I have learned the secret of being content. Contentment is that sense of being sated being full in the best way that you can be full. It's that sense of satisfaction and even pleasure and joy in things just as they are right now. Not if I get another thing, not if I experience another thing, just right now, in this moment. I have to tell you, church, when I thought about that this week, I have to admit that it was, uh, for me, a a painful reckoning, a hard reckoning. 
I mean, I can feel contentment here and there, this moment and that moment in my life, but if I ask myself the question, is this the settled experience of my life? It isn't. And I'm guessing that I, I'm probably not alone. Contentment is, is being able to say that there is nothing that I need to feel sated, to feel full, to feel content, to feel rested. There's, there's no small thing that I need. There's not one more thing that I need to buy or get. There's not one more news feed that I'm just dying to check, that I need to check. There, there's not one more snap that I need to make. There's, there's no travel plans that I need to dream about. There's no travel that I need to execute. There's no, no research project that I need to do, no, no comparison shopping that I need to do. I don't need any of that. Or there's no big thing that we need, right? There's no accolade that I need to hear from someone important in my life. There's no dream job that I need to land. There's no relationship that I absolutely have to be in. There's no account balance that I have to achieve not because these are bad things, but because they are not necessary things. They do not, as Jesus said, can make our life up. They, these things do not give us life. And so Paul is telling his friends, I, I've learned the secret to be content. I've learned what it takes. And church, the secret is not self-reliance. It's not stoicism. It isn't self-sufficiency or resolve. It isn't some program of meditation. It isn't knowing yourself really, really well. The secret is not that you get to be, that you, you could be super rich. Or it's not taking a vow of poverty. Paul says, here's the secret to being content. I can do all things through him, the one who strengthens me. If I know God in the person of Jesus, if I know God in Jesus and I rest in him by faith, then that's enough. That is what life consists of. See, Paul really believes that all of our, our restless searchings and all of our unrequited longings, whatever they are, underneath them all, they are pointers to this bigger longing that we have. this bigger search that we are on <laughs> to know God and to be known by him. The human condition, Paul believes this down <laughs> to the core of who he is, the human condition is the condition of trying to find our true rest and home in God. And so then it's true that to whatever extent we find that ultimate rest and that ultimate home and that ultimate love in God, we will find that all of the other stuff in our life begins to fall into place. We can start to see them as good gifts. I mean, maybe even great gifts, but not necessary for our contentment, for our satisfaction, for our joy, not necessary to feel full of life cool if I have them, and I'm cool if I don't have them. And church, people for whom this is true, people who learn contentment, who, people who are learning contentment, these are the kind of people that this broken world needs in spades. 
because people who are learning contentment are people who don't overly need anything or anyone. People who are learning contentment are not always trying to work the angles to get something they don't have yet or work the angles to protect something that they already have. People who are learning contentment are people who are free. They are free to love and free to give of themselves, just like Jesus, free to follow him into the life that he made us for. And so, you know, the rubber, <laughs> it really meets the road for people like us in places like this. I, uh, I have to ask, you know, am I okay? If, if things don't go back to uh, pre-pandemic normal on the timeline that I'd like it to, am I okay? Am I okay uh, if all of the things that I wanted to happen this year, they don't happen? Am I okay if all of the stuff that I've been working on and all the stuff that I've been planning really gets slowed down and altered? To be okay with those kind of things uh, and to be okay with the loss or the delay of any of those other small things that we put as stand-ins for the thing that we really long for and that we really want. To be okay with their loss, it's to be content. It's to be free. Jesus, Paul says in another letter to another group of friends, he says, Jesus became poor so that we could be rich. Jesus said it like this. He, he said, I came so that you could have life and have it abundantly. The gospel is the announcement that in him we have everything that we need. His cross, his resurrection, his ascension were to give people like us the life that we have been made for abundantly, more than we need. So now that Paul has made that point, he can let his subversive thank you morph into a more traditional thank you, and I think it's beautiful. He says, it, it was kind of you, though. It was kind for you to share my trouble. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received the gifts that you sent from Epaphroditus. So you read that and you think, oh, okay, he can say thank you after all. <laughs> Which I'm sure that his friends knew already. And I also think it's worth mentioning that Paul's friends have obviously been learning the things that he has been teaching them. Because they're not a people who are scrambling to protect what they have. They're not a people who are hoarding against some future unknown day, they're free. Free enough to give for the good of others. And so, may we learn that same kind of contentment and follow Jesus into that same way of life. Let me pray for us. Father, this promise that that Jesus makes, that he has come to give us life that is abundant, that is all that we need. 
in our most honest moments, we admit that that feels elusive to us and we have fallen into this rhythm of finding life in other things, finding the ultimacy of life in other things and they fail every time. They can never deliver because they were never meant to. And so we ask, Father, that you would help us to be people who see and hear Jesus and who believe and who cling to him in faith and who in that become filled and contented and free. Free to give for the life of the world like Jesus did. Father, do this for our good. Do this for the good of the broken world around us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.